Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came out to the house of God on youth service night? Praise the Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but I can feel the presence of the Lord in this house tonight. And uh, I'd have been just 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 fine if uh, Harrison had just kept on getting carried away and decided to bring the word. I felt a little bit of anointing on Brother Harrison there for a little while. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on our young people. I've watched these kids grow up. And I'm very, very thankful for what I see God doing in these young people's life. I believe there's giants sitting on these pews. I believe there's future pastors sitting on these pews, missionaries. God is going to do a lot with the young people in this church. Well, you know, I'm a, a little different. Some of y'all will be the first time you've heard me tonight. Uh, I'm not what you call an orthodox preacher at all. Uh, I get thoughts and I get inspiration from areas that other people probably don't. I've looked at an old knotty piece of wood before and where other people saw ugly I could see the potential and the pretty, and God would start to think, start to talk to me about that's how He looks at individuals. Where we might see something that's not right, there's scars and there's, it's not right, it's twisted and it's warped. God sees potential. God sees not what it is, but He sees what it can be. You know, and I guess I get that from my mom because my mom gets inspiration from what I thought was crazy things, and now I see myself getting inspiration from those same kind of things, you know. But, you know, as I was thinking, I kind of got a thought for tonight's message probably about a month ago, and I think it was during a testimony service. Brother McCall was kind of giving the backstory of some of the old hymns, you know, and I got to thinking about a backstory I heard of a hymn a long time ago. I was probably a teenager then. You know, and I get to thinking about the songs that we sing now. Yeah, they're great. They're awesome. They've got good words. They've got a good beat. But there's something to be said about the old songs, the ones that were in those old red books that were in the back of the pews. You know, those songs weren't written by people that were trying to fit, fulfill a recording contract. Those people wrote those songs out of life experiences. Things that God had brought them through. And if you can just know the backstory, it makes the song mean so much more. I'm sure almost everybody in this house is familiar with the story of John Newton, how he was just a wretch. He was a sailor, turned slave trader, had no inclination of ever serving God, had no interest in the church, till one night he almost lost his life in a violent storm on his ship, and he called out to God. And after he had an experience with God, he wrote the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once you know that backstory to that song, it makes that song mean so much more. And the story that I'm going to share with you tonight, most likely most of y'all, some of y'all may not have even heard the song before. 
But the story and the words of the song spoke to me when I heard it years ago when I was in my late teens. And the story I'm going to share with you tonight is about a man named Horatio G. Spafford. He was a very influential and successful businessman. And he was, as his friends called him, a devout Christian. And he was also a close friend of the 1800s evangelist Dwight L. Moody. See, Horatio and his wife and five children lived in Chicago in the 1860s and the early 1870s. You know, him being successful and whatnot, you might say Horatio, he had the world by the tail. He was a successful lawyer. He had taken and invested a lot of money in real estate along the shores of Lake Michigan on the north side of Chicago. Things were great for the Spaffords, you know, in, in the late 1860s. But that wasn't going to always be the case. You see, in 1870, tragedy first struck the Spafford household when their four-year-old son, Horatio Jr., was suddenly stricken with scarlet fever. And he died. Then, just one short year later, when the cow that they say was owned by Miss O'Leary kicked over a lantern in a barn in Chicago and started a fire. It took nearly 300 lives and it literally reduced Mr. Spafford's real estate investment to a smoldering pile of ashes. You know, he had lost his son and he had lost all of his wealth overnight in a fire. After such a loss, Many people would have just given up or they'd have focused just on their needs and their situation. But the Spaffords, they pushed aside their needs and they sought to assist other families in Chicago who had lost loved ones and who had lost their houses and their possessions in the great catastrophe. Even after all their loss, they still put others before themselves. But two years later, at the urging of some of his friends, because he was having a rough time after losing his son and all of his wealth, at the urging of some of his friends and, and a desire to help his friend Dwight L. Moody, who was evangelizing in Europe, Mr. Spafford thought that it would be good if he, his wife and his four remaining daughters could sail to Europe to spend a little time helping uh, their friend. So in November of 1873, Horatio sent his wife and his daughters ahead to Europe. He had plans to follow them in a couple of weeks because he was delayed because of some business matters that had come up and he couldn't, he couldn't go with them at that time. But on the 22nd of November, the steamship that Anna Spafford and her daughters were sailing on was stricken by another vessel, and it sank. In 12 minutes, the ocean claimed the lives of 226 people, including the Spafford's four remaining children. 
you know, this was before, this was back in the 1860s. Horatio got the news that the ship that his wife and daughters were riding on had sank, but he had no idea if they were saved or if they had perished. But his wife, when she was saved and when she reached the shore, she sent a telegram to her husband that simply said these words, saved alone. Upon receipt of this telegram, Horatio secured passage on the next available ship so he could be reunited with his wife. Now it is said that while he was making the voyage across the Atlantic Ocean, that the captain summoned Horatio to the bridge of the ship when they come close to the location where the sea had claimed the lives of his daughters. And I believe at this point, he had to be thinking, this is, he had to feel a lot like Job. You know, he'd lost his family, and he'd lost his riches, literally watched it go up in flames. Even after this, it could have been very easy for him to become bitter and blame God, or just simply give up. But upon returning to his cabin after his trip to the bridge to survey the area of the ocean where the awful tragedy had occurred, when he got back to his cabin, he sat down and he penned these words. He said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The next verse, it says, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ, hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pain shall be mine. For in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. After all of this tragedy and after all of this life, loss, he was still able to praise God. You know, it brings to my mind the words of Job in Job 13 and 15. Where Job, after losing everything he had, he lost all of his possessions. He lost all of his children. And his wife stood up and told him, why don't you just curse your God and die? Job stood up and said, though he slay me. Yet will I trust him? Because if I believe if Job, if you could interpret it this way, he said, it is well with my soul. He knew that his hope wasn't on this earth. Just like the Apostle Paul, he said, if I had hope only in this world, I would be among all men most miserable. You know what I have gleaned from the story of Horatio Spafford? And what happened to him and the way he was able to keep the faith. Life is going to happen. No matter what you do, life is going to happen. You know, Job said 
A man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Basically, he said, life is going to happen. But you know, what I've, the other things that I've gleaned from that is there's two other things I've gleaned. Knowing the Word of God is paramount to being able to handle things when life happens. You know, when, I, when, I, when my bank account's empty and, and I don't know what I'm going to do, I can look at Philippians where it said, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. You know, when there's things that happen to me that I just don't understand, I can look in Romans where it said, All things work together for the good to them that serve the Lord and are called according to His purpose. You know, and the Bible says to hide His words in your heart that you may not sin against Him. It's not just this, that you so you won't sin. It's that so you can make it through those hard times when life happens. You know, when things come up and you don't know how you're going to see a way out, I'm reminded of the story of the three Hebrew children, how when they wouldn't bow before the idol and they were facing the threat of being thrown in the fiery furnace, they said, we're not going to bow. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, our God's going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we still are not going to bow. Because they were saying it was well with their soul. You know, and the other thing is having a close relationship with God. And I don't mean just a, just a Sunday relationship. You've got to have a daily relationship with God. So that when these things happen, you know who you can go to talk to. You know, if I just, you know, if I've got a friend, you know, and he's got means, but I haven't spoken to him in years. And, you know, and I, I, all of a sudden I have a need. And I know that if I asked, he would gladly help me. But I haven't spoken to him in a long time. I would feel really guilty to go ask. Well, my Father in heaven, he has everything that I have need of. And when I have a need, I don't want to feel guilty to have to stand before him and ask, because I haven't spoken to him in a long time. Because I haven't kept up that communication. Because I haven't kept up that relationship. I want to always have a daily relationship with God. So when these things come my way, not always will you have to ask. But God will provide the way even before you ask. He says he knows what you have need of even before you ask it. But he did also say, if you ask, you shall receive. But, you know, I think Horatio's wife probably summed it up when the, after the great tragedy and everything was over about having a daily relationship with God. She, what she said that when she testified that in her grief and in her despair, she had been conscious of a soft voice speaking to her that she was saved for a purpose. No, she didn't understand why God had taken her daughters and left her. But she kept hearing a voice speaking to her, you were saved for a purpose. And then she remembered something that a friend once said. Her friend said it to her, it's easy to be grateful and good when you have so much. 
But take care that you are not a fair-weather friend of God. You know, when things are going good, it's always easy to serve God. It's always easy to say, it's well with my soul when everything is going just like you've got it planned. But when you have that relationship with God on a daily basis, when things don't quite go as well as you think they should, you understand that God's got the situation in control, and you can still say, it is well with my soul. And if Ryan could come this afternoon, I know I've not been up here long, but you know we all face things. Sometimes we feel like we're just overwhelmed. But I know the one that's here tonight, that if you're feeling like life's happening, and you're feeling like you just don't know what to do, God is here tonight. And he wants, you, wants to be able to help you say, it is well with my soul. You know, I think it would be good tonight if we could all, even if we've all faced something, if we all could find a place tonight and ask God, Lord, help me to always be able to say, it is well with my soul.